So glad that uh, we get to be together here and to continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark. So please, if you would, grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. And as you're turning, I want to share with you a couple opportunities that have presented um, to New Hope Church that are something I'd ask you to pray about and give some consideration to uh, in no particular order. And both, by the way, are connected with ADM and our school district that we love and we want to be a blessing to and serve inside. Uh, One of which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which meets on Monday nights at the high school, which uh, Jeremy and Sarah, who are part of New Hope Church, are in leadership there. And that group is growing and growing up to 60, even 70 students uh, each Monday night. And one of the ways that we can come alongside and bless them is by providing snacks for them as they meet on Monday nights. And so if you're out there and, again, on campus or online and you love to bake and you think, I could do that. I, I can make cookies. I can make bars. I can make popcorn or whatever it is. It actually would be a big blessing to that group, the students, but the leaders that are there in the trenches and they're working there. And so if that interests you on the connection card, there's a, well, actually there's a QR code. Just use that. It takes you right to a Bring It. And, um, and you can sign up for a, a date, a Monday, and all the information is there for you. And so that would be a, a fantastic way to serve. Uh, another way I want to share with you, and this is brand new that is just happening. In fact, I don't know that it's really, word is out yet, but um, we are, not we, excuse me, but Heath Hockenberry, who's also a part of New Hope Church, is giving leadership to launching a mentorship program for boys, specifically starting in fifth and sixth grade. So this is going to be at the DeSoto campus. And the heartbeat behind it is that um, men would, would, would connect with in one-on-one relationships with a boy who who needs love and direction and support and care and friendship and, and coaching and all those kinds of things to, to come alongside and walk with that young man. And, and it starts in January, goes to May, so it's, it's five months. Here's the thing, guys, it's two hours a month. It's, it's twice a month for one hour where you build a friendship with them. You, you may play a board game together or shoot hoops in the gym or, or whatever it is, but you're, you're, you're there connecting with, with, with that boy. And here's what's our heart and our prayer. We would love to see men who love Jesus connecting with these boys. Uh, the principal's on board, has picked out these, these kids. And so this is a tremendous opportunity. So we're, we're praying for 13 guys. Actually, it's 11 now. Two have already stepped up. We're praying for 11 guys to say, I got two hours a month. And I want to make a difference. I want to help a young man ultimately find and follow Jesus, but I just want to walk alongside him and all the things that he's going through in life. And so if that is at all anything that you'd be willing to pray for, or even your heart now is like, I could do that. I, I, I could be a part of that. That connection card is right there. You can just, you can just check it, the box there in the lobby, just drop it in there. Uh, or even if you just have more questions, I'd like to hear more about it, check the box too. And, and we'll have Heath get in touch with you and share with you all that information about that. If you're watching online and you also are thinking, I could do that too, then just write in the comment bar, I'd like to be a part of this mentorship program and, uh, and take advantage of that. So these are just, just great ways that we can, again, help people find and follow Jesus, which is our mission as a church. So thanks for giving prayer and consideration uh, for that. Uh, so as you know, hopefully you're there in Mark 6 now. Uh, we're going through this sermon series called The Servant. We're looking at, at Jesus. We're learning about Jesus so that, I say it every Sunday, we can live more like Jesus. We don't want to just get information about him and, and build a database of knowledge. We want to we be Jesus-like in our actions and our words and our attitudes and our thoughts. And that's what we're after as we're going through this. And also I want to just remind you as well, if you don't have one yet, there is a devotional guy with this sermon series and there are some on the table out there in the lobby. So be sure to grab one uh, for the series. It's never too late to have it and to, and to enjoy that. Today what we're going to be doing, as the video said at the beginning of the service, we're going to be looking at a familiar passage 
Uh, here we're going to look at Jesus' account where he's, he's with the crowd and multi, uh, multi, uh, multitude and he, he takes five loaves of bread and he takes two fish and he multiplies it and feeds them. It's a story that many of you have read. It's a story that, or you've even just heard of it. Uh, but we're going to look at that passage today. And what we're going to look at and, and pull out of it is three different life lessons I think are actually really important for you and I to be reminded of uh, to help us uh, grow in our faith. And so let's jump in. Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 30 this morning. And to give us context here, the disciples have just returned from, I'll call it a mission trip. They were sent out, they're doing ministry, they come back to Jesus, and it picks up in verse 30. It says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going, that they, that they did not even uh, have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves to a, in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he got really annoyed because all he wanted was a day off. And they just wouldn't leave him alone. Right, I didn't say I got that wrong. When they, Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd. He had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Or literally in the Greek, it means teaching them at length. Like he, he spent hours. Here, they, here I am, here you are. And he just, he just begins to pour into the crowd truth. This scene here that we're already seeing so far, Jesus has superstar popularity. The crowds love him. They, they're curious about him. They love his teaching. They love the miracles, of course. And so Jesus wants to get away for rest with the disciples, but they're on the shore watching the boat, waiting to see where he's going to dock, and they're just moving along the shore to find that spot. And it says here, and I put it in regs, we're going to come back to it, that Jesus responds with his compassion because he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Verse 35, as we continue. By this time, it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples come to Jesus with a very practical suggestion. Now I want, and I've said this before when we've covered this text in the past, but I want you to imagine for a second that uh, here on this uh, 13 or 12 acres or so, whatever it is here, I want you to imagine everybody, every single person in Adel, Redfield, DeSoto, Van Meter, Dallas Center, and Menburn. Everybody packed on this lot. That's going to give you a sense of the number of people that we're talking about here. And, and, and imagine it's, it's been a long day of ministry. Uh, there's no cars. It's late in the day. People are getting tired and hungry. When it gets dark, it gets more dangerous. And so the disciples come again, practical suggestion. Look, it's time to send them home so they can go. Look, they can go down there and get some lemongrass or go that way and get some hy But let them figure it out. But they've got to go. Like send them away so that they can, they can take care of their practical needs. Jesus says, look at me at verse 37 now. He says, but he answered, you give them something to eat. And that you is emphatic. That is strong in the Greek there. He's saying you, you do it. And you can only imagine this startled the disciples. And they said to him, but that would take more than half a year's wages or about eight months really. Are we to, to go and spend that much on bread and give, them, give it to them to eat? Now this is really important. I want you to notice this. How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Go and see. 
Now, I want you to notice something here very important. Jesus didn't ask them if they had enough bread. What he asked them was, as we just read here, how much bread do you have? That's a big difference. He didn't ask him, do you have enough? He said, how much do you have? Assess reality, if you will. They came back. They said, when they found out, they said, five, and we have two fish. Now, that's Mark's account. If you jump over to John's account, we learn some more information. I just want to mention it real quick. There we learned it was a little boy who had his lunch. And that's what these five loaves and two fish represent. We also learned from John that the loaves were made out of barley, which is what they would feed cattle and animals. This was, this was poor uh, people's food. This was not a nice lunch, if you will. And I want you to don't think of like nice, big Panera bread loaves kind of thing. Like think like crackers. Like this is just a different kind of a thing. And also fish. Don't think like nice fish. Think the kind of fish I catch, like sardine style. You know, a little fish. This is, this is a poor, humble, simple lunch that is presented here to Jesus. Now, immediately the disciples are put in a position of tension because Jesus is asking them to do something that is way beyond their ability to do. In other words, it's impossible. He puts them in this position here, like how do you serve a stadium full of people with a happy, happy meal, right? And, and the disciples are like, we can't do this. This is not a, a possible thing. But see, that's exactly the point. Because Jesus does call his people into positions and places that for you and I are impossible to do in our own ability, and our own strength, and our own wisdom to show us how he can do the impossible through us. The things that we say are impossible for him say this is not even hard. That's the difference. For Jesus, this isn't even hard. For the disciples impossible. Then the text or the passage finishes up, verse 39. Then Jesus directed them all to have, uh, to have all the people that had sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties and taking the, the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all uh, ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had uh, eaten was 5,000. By the way, easy to get that number because they're in groups of 50 and 100. Not hard to count it up. And many people observe that that's just the men. You add the women, you throw in some kids. You got about 15,000 people potentially. That's a lot of people. This is an incredible, incredible story. And what's also interesting is the way the text reads, you almost get the sense the crowd has no idea what Jesus just did. The disciples know. I mean, they're very aware. But all they know is food just starts coming out. And they're just eating. And it says, it points out here that they are, they are fully satisfied. So what can we learn from this account? Again, maybe a familiar one for you, maybe not. I want to highlight three lessons this morning. Three lessons to help us and to, to cause us to think and to draw close to the Lord uh, in terms of this text. Here's lesson number one. If you have a bulletin, your first fill in the blank, it's this. Lesson number one is that ministry is simple. I didn't say easy, but it is simple. 
Because here we see Jesus do an impossible thing. We see Jesus do a miraculous thing. Five loaves, two fish, feed 15, 20,000 people. Like that's incredible what he did. So, but here's my question though. What did the disciples do? What was their part? What was their role to play? What, what did they do? Well, they did two things. First, they brought Jesus what they had. Five loaves, two fish. They brought Jesus what they had. The second thing they did is that they did what Jesus told them to do. Well, what was that? Well, it was to, to, to get people to sit in groups. To, they handed out the food, and then they were on cleanup duty afterwards. That's what they did. That was their role. So bring Jesus what you have, and then do what he asks you to do. And I want to suggest to us this morning that it still applies today. That is exactly what ministry is today. It's no more and it's no less. It's that, it's that you and I, that we give Jesus what we have. And namely, what that is, is you. It's where you say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm pretty handy with cars and, and I'm organized and I love computers and, and I can bake and I can bake bread, uh, not bread, well, you can do better than that, cookies for FCA. Like I can, I can do those things. And so you say, Lord, this is how you've made me or I have these resources. And so God, what is it you want me to do here? And so you bring what you have and you do what he asks you to do. And this morning you're thinking to yourself, but what is that? Like, what, what is he asking me to do? Can I suggest to you the place to begin is just here. Just do what you know he's asked you to do. In other words, obey his commands. Just live a life where you're pursuing Jesus with all your heart. Because here's the thing. God will let you know what he wants you to do. He will show you where he's working and how you, he wants you to join what he's already doing. He, he's going to make that clear to you. You don't have to manufacture that. You don't have to come up with that. You don't have to sort of manipulate and force God's hand like, hey, we'd like to know like yesterday. You don't have to do that. He will let you know exactly what it is he wants you to do. So bring him what you have and do what he's asked you to do. And that's the heartbeat and the essence of Ministry In every single day, you and I have the opportunity, like this little boy, to bring your five loaves and your two fish. Every day you have the chance to do that. And every day you get the opportunity to see how you bring a little and God does a lot with that little. See, I'm convinced that every day, every day, we should feel like that little boy. Can you imagine him? Mom packs a lunch. There it is. He gives it to Jesus. What he knew of Jesus, we don't know. And all of a sudden, he sees what happens. He never forgot that day. He never forgot what the Lord did with a very little amount. But you know what happens, though? It happens to me. It happens to you. Is that sometimes we let fear and insecurity get in the way of all that. We, we say things like, well, I don't, I don't know a lot of Bible I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't even know a lot of what the verses say. Can I encourage you to bring that to Jesus too? 
Or, or, or we say, I'm not sure what I'm doing, bringing that to Jesus. Or we say like, well, what if I'm enough or, or not enough? Or what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I do the wrong thing? Or I'm, I'm trying to do ministry, but, but I, don't, I don't know what, what this is going to look like. And, and here's the thing. We can what if ourselves out of obeying God's call in so many different ways and places. We say, you know, well, what if I'm not enough? Can I just remind us all? Isn't that exactly the point? Going back to the disciples, they couldn't do the calling. They couldn't live out the calling, but Jesus could do it through them. And that was exactly the point. This is what ministry looks like. And I would, I would challenge any single, every single one of us. If you go back and you look at history, biblical history, church history, everywhere that you see God do a great work, 100% of the time, you will see men and women that he used that, 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 that knew they couldn't do the task, that knew it was too big for them, that knew that without God showing up, this was going to be a dismal failure every single time. But even in spite of that, men and women who said, yet will I trust you, and they took the step of obedience and they watched God work. And then when it was all over, they said, that was actually him. <laughs> Don't even look at me. That was all him. Because that's how it worked then in the Bible days. It's how it works today. See, ministry is simple. And there's any of you here this morning that you've, you've wrestled with that of, I want my life to count. I want to be involved in what he's doing. I want to serve him. I want to see an eternal impact made in the lives of someone else, starting with my own family and other people that you bring into my path. I don't even know where to start. Can I just encourage you this morning, put away the what-ifs, trust in a big God and say, you know what, I'm just going to bring me. And I'm just going to bring a willingness to say, I'll do what you've asked me to do. And I know you can do a whole lot with a very little. And then watch him show up. I want to challenge you this morning to be thinking about that for your own life. What does it look like for you to help people find and follow Jesus? So ministry is simple. That's number one. Number two, our next lesson that we're going to hit here is that gratitude matters. And I want to hit this just very quickly here on this one here in terms of this account. Because if you notice here, Jesus did not serve the crowd an amazing meal. It actually wasn't. It was very simple. It was very humble. It was, it was a poor person's meal. But what did Jesus do? He didn't say, oh, is this the best you got, disciples? He received that. He gave thanks for it. God, thank you for what you've provided. And then he shared it with the people. And the people, of course, as we just talked about, it went out and the crowds were fully satisfied. But if we're honest, and here's what I want to challenge you to think about. Of course, you don't know, but we're just sort of like role-playing, if you will. But if we're honest, I, I could imagine that some of us, if we were there that day, we might have complained. Jesus, is this the best you got? Do we have any jelly with this bread? I mean, anything to wash it down? Like, is this it? Sometimes we do this in our own lives. We, we complain. We're not grateful. And when we do that, what we're doing is we're telling God that what you have provided is not good enough. It's not good enough. 
I want to bring us back and just remind us in this text that gratitude is so important. Gratitude is the antidote to entitlement. Gratitude is what helps us get to a place of generosity. Because you know that God is a provider and what he provides is good and you're so thankful for all that he's provided that, that you and I don't play the comparison game. That you've provided this for me, but I look over there and that looks better than what I've got. You know, and so now all of a sudden you're discontent because you just compare yourselves with others. We say in our family all the time, there's no win in comparison. Like you just, you will never come out on top in that game. And we miss out on being thankful for what God has done in our lives. And think about too, this little boy. He didn't know what was going to happen when he gave up his lunch. He didn't know that they would be multiplied. He didn't know if he was going to go hungry. But here we see him respond very generous to Jesus. He handed over what he had. And he saw the Lord do something amazing. I want to remind us this morning, there are some different views on this whole topic, of, especially of generosity. There's a view, first of all, that says, what's yours is mine. That's a selfish view. Actually, what's mine, if I say what's mine is mine, that's a selfish view. What's yours is mine, we call that stealing, actually. So we've got selfish, we've got stealing, or we could say what's mine is his, and that's stewardship. I want to encourage us all this morning to think about your role and your calling as a, as a steward. That, Lord, all of my life, all of what I have, I am a manager, and you have provided and I thank you for what you've provided. And I respond back in generosity to you. And so I want to ask you this morning on this point, how are you doing in the area of discontentment? How are you doing in the area of complaining? Would you say that you're a thankful person? That you're a person that, that practices that? We're saying thank you to other people who may serve you or provide. Or... Is that a struggle for you? This may be an area for building new habits. This brings us to our last lesson, and I want to invite the band to come up, if you would, please, at this time. And here's lesson number three and what we're going to finish on this morning, and it's this idea. That Jesus really, 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 if I had more room in the bulletin, we'd just keep going, really loves you. He really loves you. And I want this text to drive this home because we see here Jesus' Jesus's love for the people was on full display that day. The way that he, he cares for them, the ways that he, he taught them, he, he showed up, he protected them and met their physical and spiritual needs. In fact, I just, I just want to remind us of all the things that he, he did here real quick here. Um, we read it earlier. So, so here, here's some examples. He, first, his disciples. He led them away intentionally for a time of rest. He wanted them to have a time of rest. He, he had compassion on the crowds. And the reason he's having this compassion is because he wants to be a shepherd to them. Remember, he, he cried out. He was, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He says, but I want to be your shepherd Next, he, he restored the people's soul by, by teaching them truth. Uh, we read about how he fed them, and they were, again, fully satisfied. We see uh, Jesus protecting the people 
by, by sending them away early, uh, excuse me, not sending them away early, but by providing food for them. And so he wouldn't send them out when it was dark and dangerous in terms of the crowds dispersing and trying to figure out a place to go to eat. And then what I think is really interesting here is that Mark puts in a little detail that we sort of read over and maybe don't think anything about. But he says that he had the people sit down in green grass. Well, we know the general area where they're at, and there isn't green grass, with the exception of about three or four weeks a year. So we know the time of the year that this event took place. But he calls out this special detail of have sitting down in green grass. And this list that I just share with you, if any of that begins to sound familiar, I want to take us back to another passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 23. I'm just going to read this for all of us. You can follow along on the screen behind. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Another familiar passage that we love and we come back to time and time again. But can I suggest to you this morning that this account of the feeding of the 5,000 from the, Old, from the New Testament is Psalm 23 in action from the Old Testament. Here we see the, the, the shepherding heart of God on full display in Jesus. Jesus, in fact, who is called the Good Shepherd. This is who he is. And in him we have everything that we need. Now, I know we don't have a lot of shepherds running around today. And you don't go to Indeed and see job descriptions for shepherds. And so let me remind us of what shepherds did, who they were. These, were. these were people who would lead and feed their sheep. They would never, ever leave the sheep alone. They stay with them constantly. And they constantly protect, constantly guide and feed. They're always mindful of, of every lamb, every individual lamb's health and condition. Because here's the key, is that sheep need a shepherd because they are helpless and they are stupid animals. But they need shepherds. And that's what the shepherd does. He gives his life to caring for the lambs in his flock. This is who he is and this is what he does. And I bring this up because this idea that Jesus really loves you, it's not just a sentimental love. It's, it's a love that says that Jesus wants to be your shepherd. He does. He wants to play that role in your life to lead and to feed, to care, protect, and guide. This is who he wants to be. This is his heart uh, uh, toward, toward you. The big question is, will you let him? The big question is, will you allow him to, to be your shepherd? Do you want to be in his flock, if you will? Because there's some people, maybe some of you or you're watching online this morning or or you know somebody. And the truth is, you don't want a shepherd. 
The truth is you, you want to live life on your own terms and go your own way and do your own thing. You don't want that leader over you. You don't want that, that accountability. You don't, you don't want any of that. You want to live your own best life in, in whatever that is. And so your harsh desire is to make your way through life without a shepherd to do your own thing and be your own leader. But I want to just encourage you this morning, if, if that's you or anybody you know and, and sort of the sentiment that you have, I want to read to you another psalm. It's actually, it's not in scripture. It's the anti-Psalm 23. And this describes life pretty well for the person who says, I don't want the shepherd. I want to live my own way. Here's how it goes. Just follow on the screen behind. It says, I'm on my own and no one looks out for me or protects me. And I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I'm always restless. I'm, I'm easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle and I, I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert and I'm thirsty. My, my soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. And I can't fix myself. And I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist I, I want to do what I want, when I want, and how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and the final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road, but I'd rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone, fa facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me, and I'm so much about me. Sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty, and disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Can I suggest to you this morning, friends, that life doesn't go well for sheep without a shepherd. We need a shepherd. And Jesus is that shepherd. He, he longs to be that role in your life. And, and, and he's moved with compassion for the person who, who doesn't want that. And so he never stops pursuing and loving and longing to be that, that role in the person's life, in your life and in mine. See, what this is really about is lordship and surrender. Of taking stock of our own life and all the ways we try to be our own tough, self-made sheep and go our own way. And sometimes, well, sometimes life beats us up, doesn't it? And sometimes we come to a place and we realize that this is actually working out very well, living on my own, that I need, I need to come under the loving leadership of Jesus. He's so for you. And he loves you so much. And he wants to be that role in your life. So will you let him? And I want to challenge and encourage all of us that you this week, today, tonight, that you would just take some time to evaluate, is there anything in my life that I am just not surrendering to him? And maybe it's even just you and all of you, your heart. You haven't got to that place where you bend the knee and you say, God, I trust you. Will you take over? 
I'm tired of being the wayward lamb. But if that's you this morning, you know from another account in Scripture what the 99 are as opposed to the one wayward. He leaves the 99 and he will never stop going after the one. All you got to do is come home. All you got to do is just say, yes, Jesus, I receive you. I trust you. And I long for you to be Lord and leader of my life. See, my, my prayer is that it's your prayer to make Jesus the shepherd of your heart, your mind, and your life. The Lord is my shepherd, and in him you and I have everything we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Will you say that with me? Let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Let's do it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I trust and pray you believe that this morning. Let's sing that together this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Leads me to quiet waters, he restores my soul. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in greenest pastures, and leads me to quiet waters, he restores my soul. i 
Thank you for his ministry, the way that he led his disciples as the good shepherd, and the way that he continues to lead us today. That as we are sheep, God, we, it matters, it doesn't matter where we are, God. If we are honest with ourselves, if we dig down into our heart, our deepest parts, we know, we know that in this world alone, we are lost. We can deny it, we can convince ourselves otherwise, but God, that feeling of hopelessness, is deep within each and every one of us, except for when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are sheep and we need a shepherd, God. We thank you for the shepherd that you provided for us this morning. We thank you for the Jesus that fed the 5,000, for the Jesus that Psalm 23 was written about. Jesus, please lead us, guide us, as we give our hearts to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us in worship this morning. Um, just a couple quick reminders. There are shoe boxes available, so if you'd like to participate in the Operation Christmas Child Ministry, please see Scott and Ann. Also, folks are available to pray with you this morning, so I encourage you to, to come up and spend some time in prayer.